0: Well, church, as you're having a seat, if you would, grab your Bibles and open up to 2 Corinthians this morning. 2 Corinthians. Great job, band. Could have just kept singing. We don't need me. Um, But you got me for the next few minutes, so I'll take advantage. Hey, let me give us a quick roadmap of where we're headed this morning and where we're going to be headed in the next few weeks to come. Uh, If you are new with us, I want to say welcome. I'm thrilled that you are here. We are honored that you would come worship with us here. Kind of the meat and potatoes of what we typically do here at Providence North as far as teaching goes. We teach through books of the Bible. And so this morning, actually, we are going to be looking at our mission and our vision. Uh, We're going to be just re-reminding ourselves of what we do here, why we do it, what anchors us into the gospel, what is our mission and vision, what are our core values. And we got a cool, um, cool deal right there. We're I was trying to convince Zach to do the Vision 2020 that everyone's doing with the glasses, because it just the marketing. He didn't. He wasn't thinking that was very cool or hip. So that's much cooler. That's better. Thank you, Zach. I'm getting too old. My ideas are not cool anymore. Um, so we are going to talk vision. What are we all about? What is our mission? And then next week, we are going to begin walking verse by verse through the book of Colossians. And so we're going to spend about eight weeks in Colossians. So you don't want to miss, we've got a gift for you. Uh, typically when we start a book, we give scripture journals. And so we've got those that will be here next week. It's just it's just a, uh, a little booklet that looks really cool. And it just has the, the word of God on one side and blank page on the next side where you can take notes and follow along as we preach through uh, the book of Colossians. After that, we are going to be looking at the road to the cross as Jesus heads to the cross, and then it will culminate with Easter and the resurrection. And then heading into summer, we are going to be looking at something that I think is uh, wildly important for us to understand and wildly misunderstood and ignored in our culture, and that is the idea of Sabbath and rest. Uh, We live and operate in a world that... uh, we brag about breaking one of the Ten Commandments. Oh, I worked 17 days in a row, and I answered 600 emails. Everyone's like, way to go! And God's like, we need to learn to rest in Him. We need to learn to root and ground ourselves in the stillness, sometimes in the silence of who God is, and rest and enjoy God. So that's where we're headed this semester leading up into the summer. But today, we're, what are we all about? Vision of Providence North. Uh, Our mission, our values, we're going to be in 2 Corinthians. I'm going to read a big chunk of scripture, so uh, hang with me, and then we're going to explain what it means for us this morning. 2 Corinthians, beginning chapter 2 and verse 14. This is the Apostle Paul uh, talking to a church uh, in Corinth. He says this, But thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession, for we are not like so many peddlers of god's word but as men of sincerity as commissioned by god in the sight of god we speak in christ are we beginning to commend ourselves again or do you or do we need as some of you do letters of recommendation to you or from you you yourself are our letter of recommendation written on our hearts to be known and read by all. And you show that you are a letter from Christ, delivered by us, written not in ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts, such is the confidence that we have through Christ toward God. Not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything as coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God, who made us sufficient to be ministers of a new covenant. Not of the letter of the Spirit, for one letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Now if the ministry of death, carved in letters on stone, came with such glory, speaking of Moses and those old tablets that the Israelites could not gaze at Moses' face because of its glory, which was being brought to an end, will not the ministry of the Spirit have even more glory? For if there was glory in the ministry of condemnation, the ministry of the righteous must far exceed it in glory. Indeed, in this case, what once had glory has come to have no glory at all. Because of the glory that surpasses it. For what? For if what was being brought to an end came with glory, much more will what is permanent have glory. That's a lot going on there. We're going to unpack it, we're not going to spend too long. But I love this because our. Our vision as a church is to glorify God by making disciples of Jesus Christ. We have that word in what we're all about, to glorify God. That's what we're all about. That's why we sing the songs that we sing. That's why we just dig in and root ourselves into the scriptures because we know it brings God glory. And Paul ends this this statement to this church with all this talk about God's glory, all this talk about God's glory. That's why we, we, we anchor our hearts to it. That's why our church says we want to glorify God by making disciples of Jesus Christ. Paul is passionate about that too because God is worthy of more and more and more glory. He's deserving of it. So we're not too complicated around here. Right, God's word spells out for us what we're to be all about, and it lines up perfectly with our three core values. So we, we long to glorify God by making disciples of Jesus Christ, and we do that in three core values, three ways. We worship Jesus. We proclaim him. We live in community, right? We want to be the aroma of Christ, like he talked about, to each other and to the world around us. And we want to be God's recommendation letter to the world around us. That's what Paul's saying, that we want to make disciples. We want to go tell others about this Jesus to those that don't know him. We are God's recommendation letter that say, this is who Jesus is, worship Christ, live in community, be the aroma of Christ, and be God's recommendation letter to the world around us to make and multiply disciples. We're not complicated. God's word isn't complicated. He gives us these simple statements. That's why we say what we are and how we do it, to glorify God by making disciples through worship, community, and discipleship. And later on, Paul talks in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 as he expounds, to his, expounds this letter, he says this, for we proclaim not ourselves, it's not about us, he says, but Jesus Christ as Lord with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. So the reason that we gather, church, what are we all about? Is to proclaim Jesus as Lord. The reason we meet together in community groups all over our community is to proclaim Jesus Christ to each other because we need to be reminded of the gospel. The reason that we even help provide presents during the holidays or during, uh, during Christmas for people that have maybe fallen on hard times to maybe give them a shot in the arm to come alongside is so that we can proclaim Jesus Christ to them. The reason that we give money toward church planting and toward mission that we give our funds away is to proclaim Jesus Christ, not ourselves, right? To do it better than we could ever do even on our own so we, we give outward in a way. We proclaim Jesus And we proclaim Jesus in three primary ways here at Providence North. We worship him, we live in biblical community together, and we make and multiply disciples of Jesus. So if you read 2 Corinthians on, Paul is constantly talking about the glory of God. And you remember, as I was reading at the very end there, as maybe it was getting a little bit confusing as he was hearkening back to the Old Testament, he was talking about this glory of the old that even caused Moses' face to shine. So Moses went up onto the mountain. Where, remember, he was talking about those tablets of stone. God gave him the law. God gave him uh, and, and showed up, and Moses' face began to shine. But that glory passed. And Paul reminds us, you and I, today that we have something far greater than even that meeting that Moses had on that mountain long, long ago. The glory that we have that is now in us and now is for us, that is permanent, is the revelation of Jesus Christ. And it's ours forever. It doesn't just just go away. He's given it to us. He's granted us that. Christ has been revealed so the old covenant is no more, and now we are members, Paul says, of this new covenant, and it's our job as those that are wrapped up in the new covenant, as those saved by Jesus, to reveal the glory of God to more and more and more people through Jesus our Lord. See, Paul's writing to a church uh, a lot like ours. Um, it's not a perfect church. Um, They've got baggage just like we do. They're not perfect people. They don't have it all figured out. They're not uh, perfect evangelists. They're not perfect worshipers. They're not perfect Christians. They, they struggle with sin. They don't understand everything that Paul's trying to teach them. Just like oftentimes maybe we read that and like, I don't understand everything you're trying to say. He's, but what he's getting at is, is that even in our lack of understanding, even where we don't have it all figured out, God has still chosen us to reveal his glory to the world. We don't have to be perfect, we don't have to have it all figured out, we don't have to have everything buttoned up, but God has chosen to reveal his plan, his nature, his character through us, his people. That's amazing. And so what do we do? We seek to reveal the glory of God through worshiping of Jesus, proclaiming his name, through living in community, and through discipleship being the aroma of Christ to each other and to those around us. That's our mission and vision. And so I want us as members and as those that come to Providence North Community Church to be familiar with that language. It's important to us. That's why it's on our banners. That's why it's on our bulletins. That's why it's on our website. We want people to understand what it is that we're doing. We're not just sort of, oh, it's Sunday. We should probably get together. It's like we're—it's not just a routine, Right? We want people to know what we're all about. That's what we're spending our lives for. That's what God is calling us into. We want to glorify God by making disciples. That word disciples just learners of Jesus. Or another word would be apprentices of Jesus. That we would follow close to him, that we would know him, that he would lead, he would guide us. And in doing so, we want to bring God much glory. And we do that through worship, through community, and through discipleship. That's what we're all about simple but profound. So when someone asks you, well, what does your church do? Well, we want to glorify God by making learners and disciples and apprentices of Jesus. That's what we're all about. And we do that through three key ways. We, We worship Christ, we live in community, and we make and multiply disciples so that we might be the aroma of Christ to those around us and to one another. That's what we do. That's who we are. And this is what gives us purpose. This is what gives us impact as a church. And in our text this morning, the Apostle Paul shows us how we can do these things with great meaning, with great purpose, with great intentionality, and with great impact. Paul gives us these three incredible images to help us see how we are to do this. And the first image the Apostle Paul gives us in 2 Corinthians is the image of a triumph, or he says, a triumphal procession. We don't use words like that anymore. We don't use big, glorious words like that. We say parade, right? Now, we're kind of used to parades. It's like the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, where it's, it's usually tied to a holiday, or we've got like, uh, I don't know, where, when else do we do parades? The Fourth of July Parade, or uh, when there's like an Iron Man in town, it's kind of a parade-like atmosphere, right? Right? Um, we kind of attach them to holidays or special events. But in Paul's day, that's not re- really what he's talking about. A triumphal procession where people are kind of marching down the streets weren't in correlation with holidays. They were in correlation with a great victory in war. So when, when Paul says that we are bound up and wrapped up in a triumphal procession, he's wanting us to understand that back in the day, there were heralds that would run back to the town that the armies had been left to go fighting. They, the heralds would come back and declare the message of a victory won. And that would be uh, another word that, that would be called is the good news of the victory, which is where we get our word gospel. They would declare the good news of a gospel, of a great victory that was won. And so these heralds would come in before the army would come home and they would declare the great victory that their king, their commander, that their army had won and they would set up this great parade. People would be ready and expectant for uh, their soldiers to come back, their generals to come back as victorious in war and it would be this great celebration, a triumphal procession as the victorious army with their general at the head marches back into town. They would throw rose petals. They would be cheering because it meant that they would live. It meant that they would have life, right? And here Paul uses this image for us. This triumphal procession after a great victory that was won for us. We are the ones celebrating. We didn't win the victory. We are celebrating, right? But thanks be to God who in Christ, Christ is at the head, leads us in triumphal procession. Jesus at the helm leading us in a triumphal procession of a victory that he won. Paul says that's what we're a part of as Christians, So he gives us this first image, and he says, it doesn't really matter that maybe things in your life haven't gone exactly as you thought they would go. In fact, if you read before this, Paul talks about that very same thing. He has some disappointments. He has some letdowns. He has some things that didn't exactly go as planned. But he says, yet in Christ, he leads us still in a triumphal procession. Even when doors were closed on me, even when disappointment came my way. Paul's reminding us that all of those little things that didn't go quite our way, that we didn't really think or we didn't expect or we just didn't see coming, those were all in the very plan and providence of God. And yet still with Christ at our helm, he leads us in triumphal procession. That's a wonderful image. Even when it looks like Things haven't gone our way. Even when it looks like I've personally been defeated in these areas, it's not so in Christ, Paul reminds us. His victory is now our victory. That's very good news. That's worth celebrating. Because Christ always, he says, leads us in triumphal procession. Um, That's why we can celebrate, because this gospel is very good news. Because Christ has defeated death. That's our great victory. We no longer have to fear. Christ has defeated our greatest foe, death. And he grants us life when we didn't even deserve it. And he leads us in triumphal procession because of the gospel. So Paul in this section is showing us how we can savor Christ even in our disappointments that the glory of God and the power of God is not hindered even when our plans get hindered because Paul's plans were hindered before this. He says, no, I can still anchor my heart into Jesus because he's the one leading and guiding. His victory is my victory. Even when I thought I lost over here, I'm still winning forever in Jesus Christ, our Lord. So if you were a follower of Christ, we're triumphant. He He leads us in triumphal procession. We don't talk like that anymore, but I love, I love that. I love that Paul can say things like that. They're these lofty, big ideas because what God did for us is so big and lofty and grand. So whatever is happening in your life right now, Paul says it, it pales in comparison to the fact that Christ has defeated death for you and that he now gives you life. So that's the first image of how we are to glorify God, that even in disappointments, he still is at the helm. He still leads us, that that's all in the very plan and providence of God, and he can lead you through it. Nothing is a surprise to God. Nothing is a surprise to him. And the second thing he reminds us of is amazing. So we're walking in triumphal procession with Jesus at our helm, and he says this, and through us, that's you and I, Believers, Christians, spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To one, the fragrance from death to death. And to the other, a fragrance from life to life. Now, um, I love that image. I love that. I love that. When I moved to college, I went to the booming metropolis of Lubbock, Texas. Anyone ever been to Lubbock? A couple guns got raised. It's the enemy territory around here. I'm sorry. It's just my experience. I can't help it. It's just, I'm going to talk about it. Okay. So I went to Lubbock for college, Texas Tech, the Red Raiders, Reckham and all that. Right. And so I remember I, I lived here in the woodlands and I moved to Lubbock and I'd been there for uh, a few weeks. And when I got up there, something very bizarre happened. Uh, a storm blew into town. It's just, it's so flat there. It's the Great Plains. It's just as flat as can be. And a storm blew in. And something uh, strange happened when the storm blew in. Uh, anytime a storm blew in around here, it was just kind of a storm blew in. And like what happened the other day, a lot some wind and some lightning. But in Lubbock, a storm blew in. You couldn't see. Dust was like covering everything. Literal tumbleweeds are rolling through parking lots. No joke. Um, and this smell happens. <laughs> All of a sudden, you're like, oh, what is that? It's like, oh, it's a, it's a west wind. The storm's blowing. It's Lubbock. It's like, well, it's that smell. It's like, it's the smell of a cattle ranch. And if you're new and you've never experienced that and you're new to Lubbock and you didn't grow up on a cattle ranch, it is this like repulsive smell of cows, right? I won't go into too much detail. You can imagine and it just blows in for, and it's, it's pervasive. It gets in your car. You can't even like turn it on the other setting on the air conditioning. It still seeps in, right? And it gets into your, your apartments and you're just like, what is that? But I, I was friends with some folks that were ranchers in that area because Lubbock has a great long tradition of cattle ranching. It's the Great Plains. There's tons of wide open land. There's a lot of cattle. And to them, they would, they would smell that coming in. They're like, that's life. That's money. That's food on my table. That's, that's my whole childhood right there. They, could, they smelt it. It was just like home for them. But to me, suburban kid from the woodlands, I was like needing a gas mask. I was like dry heaving going to class. It was just everywhere. I just couldn't get I couldn't escape it. So to one, it was the smell of death. And you're like, oh, my goodness. I, just, I, I wanted to run away, and you couldn't, couldn't get away from it. But to others, it's like, that's life, man. That's Lubbock. And it was good. And it was like, that's what I love. That's what I'm going to be doing. I'm around, I've been around that since I was a baby. And I'm going to be around that till I die. And that's just what I love. And there's these polarizing, like to one, the aroma is life. And to the other, it is repulsive, right? Now, forgive me for comparing cattle ranching to salvation. <laughs> but Paul says something in a very similar way here. He says that as we live out the gospel, as Jesus leads us in triumphal procession by his blood, by his victory, and we begin to bend our knee to his way, to his will, we begin to live out the gospel. We begin to declare and demonstrate the good news of Jesus to those around us as he's placed us in our spheres of influence. As we begin to live that out, some people are going to catch the aroma of Christ around us. And to some, it's going to be the fragrance of life. They're going to be drawn to it. They're going to say, what is that? I need to need, I want to know more about that. I want to be around that. I want to spend my life for that. And to the others, it's death. And they, they're, they don't want to be around it. And, and and when people are asking, what is that? What is that smell? What is that, whether it's good or bad, it's not Providence North, it's not a name, it's not me, it's Christ in us, the hope of glory that we want them to know and see. That's why, church, our marriage matters. That's why our life matters, that's why what we say matters. That's why what we do behind closed doors matters. That's why how we parent our children when no one else is watching matters. That's why how we treat people matters. That's why how we speak to one another really matters. Because it is God's intention for you and I that as we live our lives, as we uh, love our spouses, as we are uh, friends, as we are neighbors, as we are um, Workers, coworkers, all the things that we do, God's hope for us is that we would be the aroma of Christ to the world. So all of these little things really, really matter because we're representing something much, much larger than just ourselves and our plans and our agenda. To some, it's gonna be life, but to others, they're gonna catch the fragrance of Jesus in us and they're gonna say, I don't like that. I don't want that. And then Paul says, "Who's sufficient to explain this?" Meaning, why? Why on some does it fall on ears and it's life, and on others it's death? Paul says, "Who's sufficient to explain that?" I don't know. He says we can't explain it all. But what God has called us to do as believers is to be a faithful representation and aroma to Jesus to them and we pray that one day they would smell life, not death to those that don't know him. So we're not just a triumph of Christ in this triumphal procession. We're not just a fragrance of Christ but here's this third thing that the the Apostle Paul says that we are that brings glory to God. How are we to bring glory to God? By making disciples. He says, here's the last way we do it verse one of chapter three. He says, are we beginning to commend ourselves again? Or do you need, as some do, letters of recommendation to you or from you? Paul says, basically, do I need to prove myself to you? Do I need to prove that I am who I am? Do I need letters of recommendation to prove to others that I'm here to preach the good news of the gospel of Jesus and what he's done, his death, burial, and resurrection, and that whoever believes in him should never perish but have everlasting life? Do I need to give you letters of recommendation to prove that that's who I am? He says, no, look at verse two. So that others might believe you? He says, no, you yourselves are our letter of recommendation written on our hearts to be known and read by all. And you show that you are a letter from Christ delivered by us, written not with ink, catch this, but with the spirit of the living God. Not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. Paul looks at us, church, believers in Christ. He looks at you and I. He's telling this to this church in Corinth, and he says, the evidence that the gospel works, the evidence that Jesus is real, the evidence that Jesus indeed rose again on the third day and is living and ruling and reigning at the right hand of God is you, you. So this is why it's so important to know what it is we're doing around here. See, church to Paul and to uh, the scriptures is not just something you decide to participate in if you like it. It's not a consumer event that you go. It's not something you show up to, you consume, and you go home if you feel like it or if you don't. It's something that you are. It's, It's your being. The church is God's people. It's us. It's not just something that you decide to participate in and not some weeks and other weeks. Paul's saying, you are our letter of recommendation. You living, active, breathing, the church, the very people of God, the church, the ecclesia, the gathered ones. You are the recommendation letter of God through Christ Jesus our Lord. Your life is read by others. Every one of us is a letter from Christ. Think about that. This is, these are profound words. We are a message. Our lives, our words, what we do, how we operate is a message to a lost and dying world that Jesus loves us, that he changes lives, that he is ruling and reigning, that he saves, and that he is good and great and beautiful in a world that is harsh and ugly Your life is read by others and it's a letter from Christ to that person that you are meeting with or talking to. That's an amazing thought. Someone's reading the letter that Christ has written on your heart about who he is. You're showing them Christ. How? He says he's written it on our hearts. So when I meet with folks that feel helpless or feel hopeless or feel hurt, I can tell them that others have found great hope in Jesus and remind them that it's happening right here. Paul looks at that church in Corinth. He says, you guys, church, are God's recommendation letter to the world around you. You don't need a letter from me proving what you're doing. As you live and breathe in this world, you are the recommendation letter that Jesus is real and ruling in your hearts and changing you. And the same is for all of us. When we're meeting with friends who are struggling, we get to tell them of the hope of Christ. We get to tell them of the good news of the gospel. When I meet with folks whose marriage is on the rocks, I can give them hope because I have seen the power of the gospel and what it has done in other marriages in our church family. Healing and reconciling despite the circumstances, despite disappointments. Paul says, you are our epistle to the world. That's an incredible thought. You are our letter. You are the great proof that we need. You are the fragrance. You are walking in this triumph. So we have much, much to rejoice over, church. Even in personal disappointment, Jesus is with us. His eternal victory is our victory. And that anchors us into something far beyond ourselves. And if his work in me produces this fragrance, then our hope and our job is that we get to see others sense that and want to know more about it. We get to share with them the good news of this one Jesus that has done so much for us that leads out in this great triumphal procession that has given us hope when we are hopeless. And in living this way, Paul tells us this. He says, for we proclaim not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord with ourselves as as your servants for Jesus' sake. So church, the reason we gather to proclaim Christ in this place, the reason we can even do it in a dance studio, it doesn't have to be some fancy place, is because Jesus is what binds us together, not a building. And we can be the fragrance of Christ to each other and when we leave this place that doesn't stop, we can be the letter of recommendation to the world that Jesus is real. And we do that through being a consistent presence and worshiping Christ together. So I'm going to call us here as the beginning of the year. Let's be consistent. Let's lock arms together. Let's show up. Let's worship Jesus together. I need you here. The people sitting next to you need you here. They need to hear your voices lift up, singing that Jesus is Lord, that he is real. We need these reminders that we can be the fragrance of Christ to each other. Because throughout the week, I don't know if you're anything like me, but I forget And the world beats me up, and I need to come in here and be reminded by brothers and sisters that Jesus is Lord, and he is real, and he is good, even when my plans have failed. His never will. That's why we gather, to proclaim him, to worship Jesus. So church, let's make Christ a priority in your life. Make church a priority in your life. Be present. Show up. Invite someone that needs a church home into this church community, That more can come and hear this good news. If you're not involved in a community group, join a community group. Not because they're perfect places and all great and perfect things happen in community. Community groups are a mess. The minute you walk into a community group, it ceases to be perfect, right? But that's the beauty of community, is that in our imperfection, We get to be real with one another and we get to point each other to our great King, our great Savior, our great Redeemer, Jesus. So be a part of community. It's what we're all about here. It's how we can bring glory to God. Because even in light of our struggles, we have a group of people that love and can pray for us. Join a discipleship group. If you want to be a part of a smaller group that's just digging into the word together, holding one another accountable, join one of these smaller micro groups where you can read scripture together, where you can pray together, where you can memorize scripture together, where you can hold one another accountable and, you, and, and usually you can meet early in the morning or where there's not 10 billion kids running around you, right? So that's always helpful. Why? For the glory of God, to remind us of the gospel. Serve the church this year, if you haven't yet jumped in. We have approximately 900 kids back there. <laughs> I tell a lot of people, we're a glorify, I'm just a glorified children. We're a glorified children's ministry. What we do here doesn't matter. It's all back there. There's like eight billion kids. <laughs> we have the opportunity to be the aroma of Christ to the next generation. And I say that uh, tongue in cheek, but God has given us a tremendous responsibility. Tremendous responsibility. Church is changing. Culture is changing. uh, But Christ never does. God does not. And we get to stand on the rock of our salvation, the Lord Jesus Christ, and moms and dads and single people and young married people. uh, I call all of us to go back there and stand in front of these Beautiful, young, impressionable children that are looking and longing for hope in the world, even in the confusing times that they find themselves in and all the grades that they find themselves in, and anchor their hearts and their minds and their lives to that which matters, and that's the Lord Jesus and the gospel. And be the aroma of Christ to these young people, because they will one day be the future of the church. And it is a worthy endeavor to spend your life back there serving and teaching. And we have great needs back there. So step up and help be the aroma of Christ. Serve. It's, church planting is is it's not show up and turn on the lights. It takes work. Um, and so every, every position in here, every, like the band, everyone's stacking chairs, everyone's setting up all the stuff, all the stuff happens because we have teams of volunteers that come in and just long to be the aroma of Christ to you, even when you don't see them so that we can come and sit and sing and worship and open God's word. And our kids can have a place to hear the gospel and to be fed and taught. So serve the church if you haven't already. And our our goal is not to proclaim ourselves, but Christ. Invite people into what we're doing here. You're the recommendation letter for Providence North Community Church as a representation of Jesus our Lord. When someone asks you where you go to church, oh, I go to Providence. It's not about our church. But Paul's like, you are the epistle of our church and the ministry that's happening here. As you walk out into the world, you are the letter of recommendation to the world in which you operate in. When someone asks you where you attend worship or where you find uh, your hope, I find it in Christ and I do that through bringing glory to God at Providence North. He says, that is a letter of recommendation to the people and place that form this church together. So invite more people into it. We have some open seats. And if you haven't yet considered what it means to um, give to a local church, if this is your home, I ask you to consider what does it mean to begin to, maybe if you've never given to a church, I want to challenge you this year to say, what does that mean for us as a family, as an individual, as a couple? How do we support the mission of the gospel here of glorifying God by making disciples of Jesus Christ through my resources? If you have never done that, I want to challenge you to take that first step this year and do that. If you've never considered what it means to financially partner with your church, I want to challenge you, that needs to be a conversation you need to have. Generosity is a big deal in the scriptures. God wants us to be generous people. I had a college pastor tell me, that same pastor uh, when I was up in Lubbock, he, 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 he challenged me with this and I'll always, it always stuck with it what, with me. He said, uh, if you never learn to give out of your poverty, you will never give out of your wealth. And I found that to be very true. Consider what that means. What does being a generous person mean for you this year? How can you come along and support what's, what God is doing here in our community? Why? Um, Because we have plans to add more community groups, more places for people to hear about Jesus, to be reminded that we don't have to be perfect because Jesus is and we can lean heavy on him. We plan to add more staff because we have 8,000 kids back there. (laughs) We hope as our young ones grow into teenagers and so on and so forth to have a youth pastor one day to be able to shepherd and steward these young ones uh, in the gospel and continue to be the aroma of Jesus to our kids as they grow. Melissa also needs some help. Um, we plan to add more discipleship groups. We plan to add some theology classes this summer. And Lord willing, we hope to one day have a space to call our own. Spaces aren't evil. We love this space, but we're having to add more chairs, and it keeps creeping up in the back, and that's a good thing. And so we, we also this year hope to uh, give more money to church planting. We want to help three more churches be planted and formed and established to do the work of the gospel ministry beyond what we, what we could ever do. We started that last year, and we saw God move. We, see a, we saw a church planted. They had their very first service at Christmas, praise God, in the living room, and 35 people showed up to hear the gospel down in the third ward with Rise Houston, praise God, with Pastor Stan. We got to be a small little part of that. That was awesome. Amen. Yeah. So church, all that to say, we wanna be a church that glorifies God by making disciples of Jesus Christ. Those are just a few ways we can do it. We put a bulletin in a lot of the chairs. The reason we do that is not so you can throw that away or just leave it when you uh, leave here every Sunday morning. <laughs> it's so that you can look at it. And you see what's going on, what's happening here. How do we plug in? How do we become involved? How do we anchor our hearts and our lives? And we don't do a, we don't do a million different things. We don't have uh, a hundred fishing lines in the pond to try to catch every single different person in every different place. Of life. We have a few things that we do and we want to and we strive to do them well. And so I'm going to ask you as your pastor to, 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 to participate in the few things that we do. Make room in your calendar for them. If you have kids, that greatly matters because they're watching and they're seeing what you're making priority for. And guess what? Uh, they will emulate that very same pattern uh, when they get to be your age too. So all these things matter and they have implications. And so I'm asking us to, to press in if you haven't. Um. Join us in the mission of glorifying God by making disciples of Jesus Christ here at Providence, by worshiping here, by living in community and making disciples. We have a few avenues for us to do that, and I'm asking you to lean in. Grab a bulletin, check a box. If you want it to be more personal, just come grab myself, grab Josh, grab Zach, grab Melissa. We want to plug you into the family here at Providence. We want to see you grow. We want to see you be the aroma of Christ to each other and to the world around you, to the families that you lead and love. Sound good? Can we do that? Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you um, for your word. We thank you that it does anchor us. It does remind us of what's real and what's right and what's true and what's beautiful. Lord, we want to attach ourselves to where you're calling us, where you're leading. Lord, may you be the one that's leading. May we follow you in triumphal procession because you have defeated our greatest foe, death, and now we have incredible hope in Jesus, our Lord. May we be the aroma of Christ to one another as we gather in worship. May you make us passionate worshipers of you. May we learn what it means to give ourselves wholly to you, even in this place on Sunday morning, to be an encouragement to the body of Christ. And Lord, may we, our lives, be Your recommendation letter to those around us that we might make and multiply more disciples of Jesus. Help us to do that this year in 2020. It's a big vision. It's beyond us. But that's exciting because only you can do that. Lord, the whole Bible is all about what only you can do thank you that even in our disappointments and even in our missteps and even in our sin you came for us you saved us you rescued us and you called us your very children may more and more people get to experience that may our kids in the back come to know and savor and trust in you as lord do a mighty work in our midst this year we trust you in jesus name amen let's stand and worship him church